you'd like to follow along, I'm going to be reading from Hebrews 11, 1 through 6. Hebrews 11, 1 through 6. <clears throat> now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that when it is seen, so what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commanded, commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Thank you, Adam. Good morning, church. It's great to see each and every one of you here this morning. Well, I encourage you to uh, open your Bibles there. Uh, we'll be there and in uh, other places uh, this morning. Uh, want to encourage you this Wednesday night is our Wednesday night meal. And if you could, if you plan on being here and you know that, uh, if you could sign up on the list uh, in the in the foyer area, uh, that would be greatly appreciative and it would help us in the preparation of the meal. We haven't had one in a while because of various things and so... Uh, we want to encourage you to be a part of that. It'll be a, a great opportunity for fellowship. And so be planning for that this Wednesday evening. And don't forget to sign up in the foyer if you can do that. Uh, it's been brought to my attention that the cousin of Debbie Terry, Chip Burnham, uh, is in Florida and uh, has a brain bleed because of a fall and several other issues going on. And he's in very critical condition. And she wanted us to uh, be mindful of that and be praying for him. Um, also, Van, that comes um, with them and stays with them, uh, struggling today with some asthma, and so uh, we want to pray for her as well. And I was also thinking, uh, over the past six, seven, or eight weeks or so, uh, this congregation has been involved in the flood relief and in helping a lot of people. And I was thinking that after consistently doing something for weeks and weeks and weeks, we can grow tired and weary. And I just want to issue you a, a thought and a challenge this morning. If, you, if you're like that, I just want to encourage you to keep on keeping on. It's been very appreciative of what you're doing, of all, that's, that, all those that are serving uh, and the number of people that have been reached out to. Uh, and that work continues to go on, and so we thank you for that. And if you haven't been able to serve and, and you can serve now, we want to encourage you to see Greg or see Ray uh, and, and others that are in charge of various uh, areas and the things that they are doing. There's a lot of uh, sorting of things and, and continue to be prepared to pass those items out. So if you can help in those ways, uh, please do so. As we begin this morning, let us go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Holy Father, Almighty God, as we pause here today, Father, many can be wearied and tired from persistent serving. Many can be tired and weary from struggling with health issues. And Father, we likely have several like that today, and I just want to lift them up to you, Father. I thank you for those who have served and given of their time. And Father, I pray your blessings on them as a result of their service. 
Father, we also know that we have several, if we look on our prayer list, those who have been battling illnesses and surgeries and things like that. I just pray that you'll bless them as they too likely can become tired and weary of battling those issues. And I pray that you will be with them and I lift them up to you today. And I pray that you will bless them and that you will give them peace and that you will give them strength and that you will help them uh, through the coming days and weeks. Father, we also lift up to you um, Chip Burnham, Miss Debbie's cousin. Father, he is in very critical condition. And Father, we pray that you will be with him and be with his family and we pray your blessings on them. Father, also for Van today as she is struggling with, uh, with asthma, we pray that you will be with her and that you will bless her. And Father, there are others that are dealing with uh, a lot of uh, upper respiratory issues uh, right now because of the time of the year. And uh, Father, we, it just seems like a lot of people are being affected and we just pray that you'll be with those individuals as well. And Father, we pray that you will be with our church family family. Father, that we will um, do our best to focus on you and to focus all of our efforts on serving you and serving others by serving you. And Father, that uh, you will help us as a body uh, to work together, to be unified for your cause and for the cause of the kingdom. And Father, we pray for our leadership. We pray for our elders that you will bless them. Uh, Father, as they are charged to watch over our souls, we pray that you will bless them in this effort. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence today. Uh, Father, to worship you, to give you our praise and our glory and our honor, an honor that is due you. And Father, we Thank you for that. And Father, we pray that our worship today will be pleasing to you. Father, watch over us and bless us. Thank you, Father, for our Savior Jesus Christ. Thank you for your grace, for your mercy, and forgiveness of sins. Forgive us of all of our many sins. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. In the movie, one of my favorite movies, Remember the Titans. There are two scenes, two special scenes in that movie where uh, the featured football team, uh, because of various issues, they come together. You'll remember that this movie is set during a sad, unfortunate time of racial divide in our nation. One of those scenes happened at the beginning of the movie. It was at the very end of camp. A very similar scene happened later during the football season and in about the middle of the movie. As they returned home, they returned home. They had come together at camp. They returned home and they, they come back into an environment that's very divided, full of hatred, full of dis division and things like that. And that began to affect them and affect the team. They continued to winning, but they realized that as the competition got stiffer, that if they continued to play with that distraction and that division, that they were not going to continue winning. And so the team leaders called a meeting, and you'll see here this scene. It happens in the gym. And so they call the team to the, uh, to the gym. And they said, where's coach at? And the, the player said, coach didn't call this meeting. We called this meeting. And so after a few short speeches by some of the team leaders, very similar to the first scene at the beginning of the movie, Gary Bertier and Julius Campbell, the team leaders, they ask each other and the team a question. They said, do you want a victory? And one of them would say, I want a victory. 
All through Scripture, the Apostle Paul uses uh, the Olympic Games and race, uh, races and competitions and things like that to describe the Christian life. One of such places, notice it, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24 and following. Do you not know that those who run a race, run in a race, they run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. You see, if we want victory in life, we need to walk by faith. Do you remember what Paul said at the end of his life? He writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. He says, I've fought the fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Therefore, there's uh, a crown of righteousness is laid up for me, but it's not only for me, but it's for all who loved His appearing. Paul said, if you want to have victory in life, it's keeping the faith. It's walking in faith. And faith is very important to most of us. But have you wondered in your mind, how do I define faith? What is faith? Well, if you go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, a place that we always go when we're trying to define faith, the Hebrew writer says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In, in studying for this lesson, I came across an article by Nate Bailey. And it's an article that's an excerpt from Bailey's book, Faith is Not a Feeling. And and the author kind of describes a newfound definition of faith, and I want to share it with you. Bailey writes, A story came to mind in which Jesus had told someone, Not even in Israel have I found such great faith. What was it that Jesus had called great faith? I quickly looked up the passage in Luke 7 about the centurion who was willing to believe that Jesus could heal a loyal and trusted servant who was near death. The centurion told Jesus, Just say the word and my servant will be healed. Then the centurion used a personal example to illustrate that he understood what it meant to be taken at his word and obeyed. In response to the centurion, Jesus turned to the crowd that was following him and said, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. Jesus seemed to be saying that great faith was simply taking him at his word. Could this definition be confirmed elsewhere in Scripture, Bailey asked? Since Hebrews chapter 11 is often referred to faith's hall of fame, I turn there. After reading and rereading the passage with all of its references to the phrase by faith, I began to see that all the people mentioned had one thing in common. And here it is. No matter whom the writer of Hebrews was talking about, each person had simply taken God at His word and obeyed His command, and they were remembered for their faith. That's powerful. What a thought. Faith is taking God in His Word. When God says something, I will take it. When God gives promises, I will trust and take it that when He promised something, it will take place. Do we do that? 
Do we really take God at His Word? You see, as we think about faith and we think about building faith and walking the, the walk of faith, how do we begin building that? Where is our foundation? Well, we might say Christ. Well, that's true. We might say God. That's true. But where do we learn about all those things? It's in His Holy Word. Despite what many would want to say, this is not just any other book. What, think about some things that God has said about His Word. Matthew 24 and verse 35, Jesus said this, Heaven and earth will pass away, but My words will by no means pass away. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 25, But the Word of the Lord endures forever. And Isaiah writes in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of God stands forever. You see, this is not just any other book. This is God's Word. And we can take God at His Word. And what He promised will take place. Notice in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, another passage that tells us what God says about His Word. Paul writes, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So how can the Word of God help us in our faith walk? Well, it's foundational. But notice some of the things that Paul lists for us that remind us that faith is taking God at His Word. And if we take God at His Word, He tells us in His Word some very important things. Notice, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. In other words, this is not just any other book. This is the inspired Word of God. And so we can take it at its Word. Because it's inspired. That word inspired literally means, or, or Paul is literally saying, all Scripture is breathed into by God. In fact, your version may say, all Scripture is God-breathed. When we speak, we breathe out our words, don't we? It's our breath conditioned by our mind and comes out as our speech. Therefore, it's our breathed Word. And it's the same with God's Word. Scripture is literally God's breath extended to man. It's God-freathed. And you know, the early church, they believed it. They took God at His Word and they obeyed it. And it helped in their faith walk. Peter would say in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. As they were moved by the Holy Spirit, as God breathed into them, and they put this word down, this has become God's breathed word. He breathed it into life. And therefore we can take it as His Word. As his, as his word. You see, to help us to grow in our faith, we need this revealed Word 
of God concerning Jesus Christ, concerning the church, concerning His Holy Spirit, concerning how we ought to live. Because it's His Word. He breathed it into life. Teaching, Paul would say, warning and training are important. Especially when it comes to the very breathed Word, if we can say it like that, of God. His Word. You know, the reality is we do this on a regular basis. One of the, the main reasons we come together on the first day of the week is to worship God. To partake of bread and to worship God. To remember what God has done for us through Jesus Christ and to worship God. But what are some other things that we do? There's teaching that takes place, right? And see, the reason we have Bible classes and the reason we encourage people to be there is not just so we can have big numbers and say, oh, good good for us. We have great attendance to our Bible classes. No. It's because it's His Word and Paul says it's profitable for teaching. It's profitable for us to use God's Word and take Him at what He says and study it and teach it. And that's why we need you here. Not so we can have big numbers. That's great, but sometimes that just makes us look good. And it's not about that. It's about each and every one of us being together for the teaching of God's Word. Because it's His inspired Word. And your presence and your participation is needed for that. You see, Paul tells us that the Word of God also helps us in our faith walk because it warns us. That's for proof. It warns us about Satan. It warns us about his ways. It warns us about sin. It warns us about evil. It warns us about the dangers that we should avoid. But you know what else? It also encourages us. It, it encourages and it directs us in the right direction to go. Like a road sign. You want to get to a place? You want to be somewhere? You need a sign. You need direction. And God's Word does that for us. Remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13? Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the great, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are few who find it. In those two verses, Jesus both warns and directs. He warns about the easy way. And He directs us to the difficult way. The way that has challenges. Because it's in that way that we have to rely on God. You see, God through inspiration of His Word, said, My Word, you can take it at My Word because My Word is profitable for your faith in teaching and directing and guiding and training in righteousness. You see, training and preparing is a good thing. But we also need to remember what Paul said to Timothy. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. You see, that's the exercise that's most important. 
For bodily exercise profits. It is good. But it only profits a little. But godliness is profitable for all things, having a promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. You see, God's Word trains us to realize and reminds us that that's what's more, most profitable. Some of the things of this life, yeah, there's some profit in it. But you want to end up one place? Take God at its Word. And he said this, the exercise of godliness is more profitable. Paul would also tell Titus in Titus chapter 2, this is from the English Standard Version, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us. He says God's Word trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who are zealous for good works. So God's Word... We can take God at His Word because it's in His, His inspired Word. We can take God at His Word because His Word is helpful in our faith walk. But you see, the reality is, God's Word is helpful, but it's only as helpful as we use it in our training and our exercising of godliness. One person said it this way, God's Word is useful in a practical way. Those who accept its reproof will begin to find their lives straightened out. Then they will be ready for the Word's positive effect of training in righteousness. The righteousness that has come to the believer by faith is actualized by the training of God's Word. Are there difficulties in our life? In our life, have we made some, uh, maybe some not so good decisions back down the road? How do we correct that? By taking God at His Word and making those changes in our lives and training ourselves to walk in His Word and it will help us to have victory in our walk of faith. A final thing that God's Word does for us that we can find in 2 Timothy chapter 3 is that His Word equips us to live by faith. Paul ended this by saying, ended this section of Scripture, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We as people of faith, obedient believers and followers of God, and His inspired, breathe out Word, become super equipped by that Word. What does that mean about the Word of God then? It means that it's more important than maybe sometimes we realize to our faith walk. What does this say about reading and studying God's Word? It means it's important. It's as important for every one of us because it's His inspired Word. We can take Him at His Word. It is helpful in our life because it equips us for every good work. Timothy had a struggle sometimes in serving in the ministry of the Lord. 
as an evangelist, he had struggles. Because anytime you work with people, we know that that, that can be difficult, right? Everybody doesn't go along with, with what you're trying to say. I'm sure there were times Timothy wanted to quit. But you know what Paul did? Paul would write to him and he'd say, Remember, remember that the faith that is in you because of the teaching of the Word by your grandmother, by your mother, and by me. Sometimes we need to be encouraged. Hey, remember why you even became a Christian. Remember the promises that are in the Word of God. When you're in the depth of that struggle, remember. Remember that victory comes to those who walk by faith. Keep on keeping on. Keep on going. Keep on fighting. Keep on pushing forward because that that God-breathed Word equips us to serve. Even in the most difficult of times. One person said it this way. The testimony of God's Holy Word is that it is the breath, it is His breath, and that it is everything to the believers. The book of Deuteronomy records that when Moses had finished writing the words of the law and had given it to the Levites to place beside the ark and had sung his song, the song of Moses, he said, Take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. They are not just idle words for you. They are your life. That's why it's important that we say in that word. Because it makes a difference in our faith walk. It makes a difference in the decisions that we make or that we do not make. It's that Important. It's not just a good book that we crack open when we come under the roof of the Savannah Church of Christ building. It's God's inspired Word. He breathed it into life. It's helpful for our faith walk. And it equips us in that faith walk. And when we do that, we can receive victory. I want to share with you a story that I came across about a man who was a cartographer or practiced cartography. In 1815, a cartographer by the name of William Smith produced a map that changed the world. William Smith was an English orphan who grew up in poverty. He became a surveyor and during his time of surveying the countryside, he came to realize something very important about the earth beneath his feet. First, he discovered that rocks could be dated by the fossils found in them and find the same type of fossils in two rocks separated by a distance and it's probably they came from the same era. Second, he learned that the rock layers tend to be arranged in a consistent pattern. 
Armed with that knowledge, Smith produced a geological map of England, Scotland, and Wales. And that map changed the world. How, you might ask, the story goes. Well, for the first time, Smith's map allowed people to predict what lay beneath the ground. Prior to Smith's map, if you wanted to find gold or coal or gas or any other natural resource, you had to scout the surface for some sign of them. A glint of gold or an outcropping of coal. But with Smith's map, you could look for particular rock types and know what likely lay beneath them and within them. His map allowed us to see below the surface and to uncover the depths and so the electricity we gain from coal, the gas that fires our uh, stoves back in those days, the gold we wear on chains around our necks, and much more are possible because William Smith made a map in 1815. And it changed the world. Even before that, God made a map. And it's changed the lives of people ever since. And it will continue to change the lives of people in the world until the end of time because it's breathed by God. And it's helpful if we will use it in our walk. And it will equip us for every good work. It will help us to make the right decisions. It will help us to avoid the dangers that Satan would throw in front of us. The tricks that he would throw at us. And even if we fall to those tricks... When we come back to that inspired Word and we dig in that inspired Word and we walk with that inspired Word, it will help us. It will strengthen us. It will lead us in the right direction. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. We stand willing and ready to help you in that way. If you're ready to give your life to Jesus and be buried with Him in baptism. So that you like others can begin that faith walk. Submitting to God through Jesus Christ. Walking with Him. Being added to a family. So that because of His Word and because of that family when you fall there's someone there to say I'm here with you. Let's walk together. Let's fight the fight of faith together. So that in the end, because we have the road sign, we can have victory and be welcomed into heaven. What are your needs today? Do you need to share those? Do you need prayers? that you need to give your life to the Lord. Whatever your reason, we ask that you will come forward and let us help you any way we can as together we stand and sing.